Hi guys, welcome back to this episode of Millennial Mirrors. Um, on today's episode, we have Amira Faruq Al-Ulama, who is the founder of Elif Administration. We talk about her story and how she got there. Um, she has some funny stories and people say some very mean things to her. Uh, just straight to her face. It's kind of weird. But anyway, tune in uh, and I hope you enjoy this one. All right, so welcome, Amira, to the podcast. We have with, to, with us today Amira Farooq Al-Ulama, who's the founder of ALF Administration. That's right. Uh, a company dedicated to the development and advancement of Emiratis and young expats in the workplace. Thank you for having me, first of all. And Thank you for taking the time to be here. This is a super cool place. Thanks. You're catching us in our very first day in our very uh, new location. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so we used to be really in a different nice. place uh, pre quarantine okay uh which has since shut down and so now we are in a new location and okay, you're well, our first guest welcome you go with the flow yeah, yeah, yeah um so i guess uh tell me a bit about yourself what's the story of mera so i'll tell you a little bit about how i got to where i am today um i'm a marathi first of all mm-hmm. but i spent a large portion of my life in the u.s in california to be exact mm-hmm. um but i always had ties back to the uae no matter what like we would come back i would do high school here we'd go back i'd come back and do um after my uni um summer courses here so yeah. i always had a foot in the uae um it's my home at the end of the day one of the main things that always stuck to me was something my grandfather, Allah always used to tell me. And he was always inspired by also the late Sheikh Zayed and Nahyan, Allah mm-hmm. um, And wow. he used to always tell me that the greatest aspect a person can have is themselves, what they bring to the table. Um, and it was from a quote that his late uh, Sheikh Zayed, uh, his highness, had said was that the wealth of his nation didn't come from oil, mm-hmm. didn't come from buildings, didn't come from land, but came from the people yeah. who lived there. Whether they were nationals, whether they were expats, it made no difference to him. Mm-hmm. It was what they contributed to the country. And I think that is something that always stood with me. Um, I grew up also loving crime novels and CSI. It's, okay, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, I know it's super sad also because <laughs> it can tell you my age group. But um, dun dun. <laughs> but I was obsessed, so I went to university and I did criminology. Okay, and um, I then went on to do masters in criminal justice. I don't know. Don't ask me why. I think I had those dreams of working in the CIA until I found out I couldn't. Sadly, so. <laughs> um, so I came back to the UAE as one of the first Emirati women mm-hmm. in that field. And I started working in conjunction with a lot of the government entities um, to weed out things like fraud, um, you know, consumer, uh, what do they call it? The white collar crimes right, and yeah. those kind of things. And um, it was all going really well until one day and uh, I was sitting in, in kind of like where we're sitting right now, a small little room, uh, office room. And um, my background in criminology is narcotics. Um, also, don't ask me why. But 
You made a lot of very strong choices. I did. I made a lot of strong choices. <laughs> San Francisco can help in that. So, um, but I, I was sitting in a room like this and it, I was the only woman and there were 12 men in the room and we were going through certain compositions of uh, of narcotics that they were they were trying to like research on and mm-hmm. one of them had had written the wrong chemical composition on the board so i raised my hand really politely in arabic and i said you know lo samht you know like you put the wrong quote like the wrong sorry the wrong chemical composition and he turned to me in front of everybody loud voice and was like women only speak when they're spoken to Damn. So I guess the Shaniqua in me came out because I was like, say what? I was like, what did you just say? And he was just like, you heard me. And it was done in there. I thought like, there is no way I can stay in this place. Like this is, yes, this is my field. And I worked super hard. I'm one of the only few women in this field. But I was like, this type of mentality, if he gets away with it and not just him, I meant like in general, this kind of mentality if this is how you treat people, then you're going to find the younger generation who are going to work underneath this person or people with that mentality. And they're going to hate their job, first of all. Mm-hmm. They're going to hate their things that they've worked so hard for. They're just, they're going to be demotivated. And I thought, I do not ever want to have somebody like that ever around. And what's worse is the young men that are working underneath him will this think it's it. okay to treat women that way moving forward, absolutely. which is completely absolutely. unacceptable. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I was disgusted by that. Mm-hmm. And I asked for a transfer and they transferred me to another department. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, yay, this is going to be great. I'm going to have somebody new, a new boss is going to be fantastic. And then I had my boss who mm-hmm. every single day I used to tell me, the only reason I'm here is because I am a woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm Emirati. So basically, the only reason I'm here is to fill a quota. At that time, you know, when you're in your early 20s and somebody's telling you that, it takes its toll on you. And one day I was crying my eyes out. And I hear this voice and this voice in Arabic is, So it's like, why are you crying, my child? And I look up and the first thing I think of is, holy shit, I've got mascara running down my face i look like a panda and in front of me is his highness and his like entourage (laughs) so of course i don't answer because i'm like what am i supposed to say in my head i'm thinking oh my god he's gonna take my passport he's gonna take my agency he's gonna like you know my family (laughs) book he's gonna send me like on on some like raft back to like wherever my ancestors came from like you know in basakia (laughs) and i was like oh my god this is gonna be hell so i didn't answer because i was shocked and then, as you know, he's got like 10, 15 people around him. So yeah. one of his entourage was like, you need to answer him. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the sheikh asked you a question, you know. So in my terrible Arabic, my broken Arabic, my broken, like, it was just my whole, like, sobbing through my, like, <laughs> breath. I was like, <laughs> every day, like, my boss tells me, like, I'm... <sighs> I'm here only because I'm Emirati and I'm a woman, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm thinking like, that's it. I'm just going to lay it all out there. And what's yeah. the worst that can happen? Like what he said next, honestly, I wasn't prepared for because 
I thought like, okay, he might be like, that's terrible. Like, who's this person? Mm-hmm. And and I kept quiet because I was like, also in my head, I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to argue with you. Like, <laughs> you know, and be like, uh, why? <laughs> you know, so I kept quiet. So I was yeah. like, okay. And then he was like, he's like, to be honest, he's like, you are here because you're Emirati. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, I don't care about women or men. He's like, but to be honest, you are here because you're Emirati. So I was like, okay. He's like, he's like, where else in the world can you get an interview just based on your nationality, regardless yeah. if you get the job or not? Yeah. He's like, your interview, your CV is taken and put in the accepted pile because they see what your nationality is. He's like, yeah. that is the honest truth. He's like, you cannot deny that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. He's like, but what you do with your life, who you inspire afterwards, he's like, that's all comes down to you. And he's like, today, yes, you might be here for whatever reason, your passport, as you said, your gender. He said, but tomorrow I want to see you here because you deserve it and you earned it. So I thought he's like, and go tell this to your boss. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) of course. I mean, like I said, today I have a lot more like, as you can say, balls to do it. At yeah. that time, so in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to tell this to my boss. Like, like Sheikh Mohammed told me this. Yeah, yeah. So the next day, my boss, again, was like, oh, you're here still. You know, you're, you know, you're here just because you're a woman and blah, blah. And I had told already my colleague the story. So my colleague was waiting. He was like, oh, she's going to say it. She's going to say it now. Of course, I didn't. But in my heart, I was like, you don't know what he told me. Telepathically, you were sending those vibes. (laughs) But of course, I kept quiet. I didn't say a thing. I mean, I'm, I just, that is who I am. So, but it also opened my eyes, Mm -hmm. um, Mashari. The thing what it opened my eyes was that I realized I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to be around people like this anymore. So I decided to open up my company. But of course, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we have a lot of people in their 20s who are like, you know, like you said, they finish university and they think, okay, I deserve this or I need to become this or I need to. But to be honest, you really don't know what you want to do, what what yeah. inspires you, what you like to do that you want to do on a daily basis for the rest of your life or, or at yeah. least for the rest of your working life. Yeah. So. I think also like what's interesting with with, you know, the times we're in now, they say the average person is going to have two and a half to three careers. And I think that's what I always try to tell people who are in their 20s trying to figure things out. I'm like, listen, you don't need to figure out what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life because the odds are you're not going to be doing what you're doing for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Do what you want to do, what you feel is right for you right now. And when it's no longer feeling right, you can then pivot and shift. It's not going to be the end of the world. We are not in the industrial era where you go work for one big company, work your way through the ranks until it's time for retirement. That is not where we're at in the world today. Absolutely. So I know that's the message that was sent down to you probably by your professors or your parents or your grandparents, what have you, because that's what their generation went through. But that's not what we are going to be going through. So take a breath. (laughs) And I love your advice. Like what you said is right on the nail. Like, cause that is exactly it. And I love it. And I'm going to steal your advice, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to say it's my own. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I don't think anything I said there was original. So go for it. <laughs> it's all yours. I'm kidding. But absolutely. I yeah. love it. So I had no idea what I wanted yeah. to do. So I went to see my grandfather, God rest his soul, and my father. They were staying together, even though it's like it's my dad's father-in-law. So, mm-hmm. so my grandfather I'm very close to is my mom's dad. God rest his soul. Like he, he was like my second dad. Um, and they were both together for some reason that day. And I sat down with them and I was like, I want to do something different with my life. Like I want to inspire the younger generation. I want to make sure that they have the confidence that if somebody talks down to them or tells them like what I went through, that they know how to deal with it because I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So my dad said, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, maybe I open a training company or something. So my dad's like, well, have a think about it and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, let's figure it out. And so my dad was like, what would make you different? Then the thousands of other training companies in the UAE or the GCC. He's like, there, there's so many. Yeah, true. And he's like, why would I come to you and not go to Bob or Raju or whoever who has had like years and years of experience? Like, why would I come to someone like you? Yeah. He's like, what's unique about Omira? I was like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And he's like, yeah. He's like, what is so unique? At that time, I was going through my divorce and I was a single mom mm-hmm. of three kids under the age of two. Yay, fun wow. times. Yeah, <laughs> super fun times. Um, so I thought, right, there's got to be something different. Like what would make me unique? I want to open not like a training facility, but a company where, I ca- where it has two segments. One where I help the Emirati and expat youths born and raised here Mm -hmm. who have that kind of mentality where they think they're entitled. But also there's so many of them who don't have that opportunity and they don't have that same belief, but they're all put in the same kind of boat and they're treated the same. And I want to... I want to help them build the confidence and the skills that they need to excel at their workforce, to excel as, as, as on their personal level, to build all these soft skills that they're not taught in school yeah. um, as they would in other countries where they would have to get a job at like 14, 15. And they learn the ins and outs of things at a yeah. young age. Um, like here we're getting 20, 22 year olds, 19 year olds, you know, and it's all they're just lumped into the same category and they're stuck. Yeah. And I was like, I want to help only these people. I was like, nobody else. And another segment where I want to help divorced and widowed women get back into the workforce. Mm -hmm. I want to get them returnship programs. I want to get them, um, if if for some reason they're in rural areas and they can't leave their home because as society sometimes they can, I want to provide them with what they need, the tools like printers, computers, books, anything that they can work from home and at least have some sort of income for themselves. Yeah. So what I think is interesting about what you said, I mean, I completely understand it because, I mean, in Kuwait, Saudi, everywhere, you have the the nationalization programs where it's all about hiring um, local youth. And, And yeah, some people feel, some people feel disenfranchised in the sense that they're like, I show up, but then no one takes me seriously. No one gives me work. No, right. They just kind of put me in a corner mm-hmm. and they leave me alone. But at the same time, like you were, like what was said to you, that's a privilege. Yeah. You're getting a foot in the door. A lot of people don't Absolutely. even get a foot in the door. Absolutely. So yes, your boss might ignore you. Yes, your boss might not take you seriously. But we gave you a foot in the door. Yeah. Now it's your turn to kind of do something with that. Yeah. Because we could have easily have not. Because right? at the same time, 
like, so my dad's Saudi and my mom's Kuwaiti. So I have a Saudi passport, nice. but I live in Kuwait. So I don't get any kind of preferential treatment when I'm applying for any kind oh, of work. Yeah. So because I'm, I'm not technically Kuwaiti, I don't fill a quota. Oh. But at the same time, because I'm from That's the sad, Gulf. because you could have gotten a lot like. <laughs> well, yeah. But also because I'm Saudi, um, they have to pay into my like retirement fund and nice. my social yeah, security. So sense. I'm more expensive for the company. Absolutely. So I don't fill the quota, but I cost them more than a non Kuwaiti as yeah, well. At the same that's time. true. So it's really a really bad situation <laughs> to be in. Um, but uh, but for me, it was it didn't even factor into anything I've ever done. And I've had friends who who are also half Kuwaiti, half something else, and they complain about the fact that like, oh, I don't get a job because I'm not Kuwaiti. They don't interview me because I'm not Kuwaiti. I'm like, yeah. buddy, anywhere else in the world, people don't hire you based on your nationality. People yeah. hire you based on your yeah. merit. Okay. So just because someone else get has a leg up yeah. by some stretch of the imagination and government and, you know, Absolutely. oil and all that kind of stuff, that doesn't mean you get to sit here and feel sorry for yourself. That That's just the way the world works. Some people have more privilege than others. Absolutely. That's always going to be the way the world works. And so whichever, I've got friends in both camps and yeah. both of them, I'm like, Shut up! Improve yourself. Like no one's gonna hand you anything yourself. for free. Because like, that's the thing. That's why he told me he was like, it doesn't matter that you got the job. Yeah. It's what you do with it that yeah. counts. Yeah. So I have. That's why in my, I struggle a lot with some of the companies that I I I work with. You know, because um, I work with a lot of banking sectors, a lot of government sectors mm-hmm. where they have like different types of Emiratis and expats across the board. Yeah. This younger generation, and we have stuff uh, some that have. Um, you know, the Emiratis who are um, university grads, mm-hmm. some are, you know, they have that entitlement issue and they don't want to work. But then you have some amazing ones who come in on time, hardworking. And then you've got some amazing expats who were born and raised here who sadly before were never given a shot. Yep. So one of the things that I always tell all the companies, if you hire me, you need to, for the quota that you have for nationalization, you need to put 10 expat youths also in there. Okay. With that. Amazing. So, and I was like, and they can be, I won't charge you for them. That is on me Mm, to give them a shot also at improving their skills, getting the soft skills that they need moving forward for themselves. So I don't differentiate. And and that is one of the the things that I stand with. I will not work with a company if they don't have that. Because I believe that if you born and raised here, you are in the sense that this is your home and you're providing for this home because you live here. You're not choosing to go somewhere else. You're living here. You're contributing here. You deserve it as well. So I'm always one of those who's fair. And I'm also very strict. If you think you're here because you're Emirati and you you want me to just pass the grade and give you whatever it is because you don't want to do the work. No, I'm sorry. You will fail. I won't give you the grade for this. You put in the work. I will give it to you. And then I've got another tier, which is for me, it's the most hardest working tier there is, but sadly, they don't get any recognition. And these are the young um, Emiratis who are studying and working at the same time. So for financial reasons, they couldn't yeah. go straight to university. So they are working and studying. And a lot of them come from the Northern Emirates. And to be honest, I will tell you, I have never seen more hardworking um, young people in my life. Oh, wow. They will wake up at like 3 a.m., finish what they need to do in like Umm Al-Qiwain, Ras-Khayma, drive all the way to Dubai, go to work, go to night class, drive all the way back, 
do whatever family duties that they have to do and then start all over again. And these people get stigmatized like anything because they're, like I said, everybody's grouped into one category. Yeah. And it's the saddest thing ever because these kids are brilliant. I don't even call them like millennials or Z or whatever. These kids are phenomenal. And it's it's very rare to find these people because they don't fit any type of quota. This episode is titled, What Makes Up a Life? And you have built quite a life for yourself. You also have three dogs, by the way. She hasn't mentioned the three dogs yet, guys, but she has three dogs as well as three kids. It's, it's a, a zoo. It's a, it's a goddamn it's a, zoo. It's a zoo in there. <laughs> Looking at your life now, how is it different from what you expected? To be honest, I think, and this is why I started that segment about the divorced and widowed women. I think I never thought I would be in that quota. Okay. I, I absolutely never did. I. I got married to somebody I was in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both Emirati and I thought, you know, like patriotism came in and I mm-hmm. thought like I had to have my own culture. And I never thought I'd be a single mom of three kids under the age of two. It was the biggest culture shock of my life because, as you said, um, this part of the world has its stigmas. And mm-hmm. we have to be honest. Yeah. As a divorced woman, you come with a lot of baggage. Yeah. I remember, um, and I say this with the cl- with with all the positive uh, energy that I can give that judge. But I remember he looked me in the eye and he said, "You're a divorced mom of three. Who will ever marry you if you pursue this?" Man, people just say really harsh things to you. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, I was like, "What did I do?" <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm one of those walking magnets. Like, you know, I'm the Ross Geller. If you, friends, if anybody, like, yeah. like if anything wrong is supposed to happen or any, it's, it's me. I'm like, damn. Seriously, he told me that. And my God, God bless. My brother was next to me. My brother was like horrified. My brother was like, he replied back to the guy and he was just like, even if she's alone, it's better than being like this. Like sh- you should let her be happy and be free and live yeah. her life. Like, like it's such a big thing that she's doing now. She's going to yeah. be raising three kids on her own. Like don't knock her when she's <laughs> down. Yeah, like, what the hell? But you know, so I just, I just think it's like when you see these kind of things, you think, oh my goodness, I never thought. But you know what? I think everything shapes you to who you become. Mm-hmm. And I think today my life is this because of everything I've been through. And I'm happily remarried now. My husband's Turkish and um, my ex-husband and him, they're okay. You know? And my kids, alhamdulillah, are, you know, they're not affected. And, and, and you know, it's, it's just about building a life that you can be proud of. Yeah. I think that's, I think so many people coast and they just yeah. don't think about it. But I think, yeah, trying to build yeah. a life that you can be proud of puts a purpose in your life. Right. Um, and I think that's very important. Uh, so would you say you are fulfilled at the moment? I mean, I want to say I'm fulfilled in terms of I can sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, when I put my head on my pillow, I don't have anything that keeps me up. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, I'll stress like, are yeah. my children safe? Are my children going to have like, you know, infant death syndrome? And then it, people have to remind me that my kids are older and taller than me. So it's just like, <laughs> they're like, they're fine. They're going to be and Then okay. I'm like in the stress yeah. of the dogs. Like, you know, yeah. did I feed them? Did I not? Like, are they going to die? <laughs> you know, 
Then I think about my mom, my grandma. So it's like, yeah. So, but if if we're honest, like in terms of like life in general, alhamdulillah, I can say that like, I'm not rich. Like I'm not a CEO. I'm not um, somebody who has millions in the bank. But you know what? If I can pay my bills. Yeah. If I can provide for my my children, because I do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can take care of my dogs and not have them die, then it's a win. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, I think like the reason I asked, are you fulfilled? Not are you happy? Is yeah. because I like so many people and we're taught this, like you look for happiness. But right. I think happiness is a mood. You're right. It's something that's going to come and go because Absolutely. life is not always going to keep you on an upward trajectory. Absolutely. And so I think Aiming for fulfillment. Aim- this is it. Grounds you and gives you that like grounded Absolutely. sense that allows you to deal with the bad parts and the hard parts of life as well as the good parts. Absolutely. That's um, so true. So I think that's another thing that I just think has been sold to us. Right? Aim for happy. I'm like, no. Because they think <laughs> when you're happy, you're fulfilled. But that's not true. Because no. you can still be sad and be fulfilled because you're human. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, okay to be exactly. sad. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to feel like a failure. This is something I tell my students all the time. It's okay to be a failure. I was, I felt like I was a failure. I mean, I I left my first job, which was my major, which is what I thought defined me. Yeah. 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 You know, but it's okay. I'm still fulfilled today. So our topic for this episode is what makes up a life? What makes you qualify to speak to this issue or topic? Do you think? Honestly, I'm one of the first people um, will tell you I I would never say I'm qualified for anything, for anybody. The person who could talk, but I could talk about myself. Yeah. In terms of, um, in terms of what makes a life, mm-hmm. um, I can, I can say that for me, it's experience. For me, it's, and that comes with any age. Yeah. I, there's also a stigma that you can only have experience if you're in your like 50s or 60s and you've lived your life and yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody under that age should just, you know, shut not up have and, an opinion. <laughs> you know, not have an opinion and quit yeah. whining. No, I don't believe in any of that. There yeah. are so many people around the world in in like their teens mm-hmm. who have had so much more experience yeah. than I will ever have in my life. I don't yeah. believe experience comes with with age. I believe experience comes with life. Agreed. And the life you live. Well, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. You can find all the links to where to find out more about Amanda on this episode description. You can also hear the rest of our discussion about what makes a life on Wednesday. So make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening if you are not already so as to not miss anything. This is Mshad Arnazi signing out. Bye, guys. Bye.